You are listening to the Teaching Connections podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Development of Teaching and Learning, CDTL, National University of Singapore. Teaching Connections is an online teaching and learning space that aims to advance discussions and share effective practices and ideas related to higher education. Hello everyone, my name is Kui Cheng. I'm the Deputy Director of CDTL. In this episode, we are very privileged to have Professor Manu Kapoor to share more about the concept of productive failure and how it informs effective learning design. Uh, hello, Professor Kapoor, and thank you very much for joining us in this podcast discussion on productive failure. Thank you. Uh, perhaps I could ask uh, our first question. Uh, would you please share briefly with our audience what productive failure is? Thanks, Casey. So there are three things that I would like to emphasize when it comes to understanding productive failure. Uh, the first one, that it's really a design for initial learning when you're first about to come to understand or learn something new. Uh, the second point um, is that it really questions the underlying assumption of, you know, that when you first learn something new, you must be told exactly what to do and how to do uh, a certain thing. And the third thing is that uh, it intentionally uses failure to design that initial learning experience. So let me go into each of these three things a little bit. So, um, like I said, productive failure is about initial learning. It's that, you know, it doesn't say anything about once you've learned something, how you elaborate and master it, become automated, fluent in something. It is the idea that if you get the initial learning when you first come to understand something new, right, then it has feed-forward effects on learning. The second, like I said, it is it questions a fundamental understanding so here let me give you a concrete let me concretize it a little bit if you're about to learn something new you know there are two contrasting possibilities one that one is very obvious and intuitive and we're all familiar with it and that is the idea that's based on the assumption that if you're learning something new if i'm teaching you something i must tell you exactly what to do and how to do it this is what we call direct instruction where the teacher comes in you know, provides a lecture, an entertaining and engaging lecture, explains everything logically in a structured manner, and then takes the learner through problem-solving examples and feedback and so on and so forth. So that's direct instruction. It's a very solid way of learning, uh, but what productive failure does is questions the very assumption underlying this model, and that is that you start the initial learning when somebody does not initially know a new concept, that you start this initial learning by telling them exactly what the new concept is. Productive failure questions this by saying, no, the first thing you start with is not by telling what the new concept is or explaining it. The first thing you need to do, and this is based on you know, the science of learning uh, and human cognition, that the first thing you need to do is to prepare the student to receive that instruction later on. So the, the initial learning then has to be designed along the lines of you prepare the student and then you teach them with all the explanation, the expertise that you have. And that brings to the third point. So how do you prepare the student initially? And we use failure-based activation as a very powerful mechanism to prepare the students. So when you first come into a productive failure uh, lesson, we engage students in you know, problem-solving activities that are intentionally designed. That's the third point I wanted to use. They're intentionally designed in a way that students will not be able to solve the problem but they're also designed in ways based on certain cognitive principles that students would be able to intuitively 
formally informally engage with these problem solving activities even if they're not able to solve them correctly i mean obviously we, we tell students that you will not be able to solve the problems because you have not learned the concept yet but the idea is to explore and engage that and even if that engagement leads to failure then that preparation if after that expert instruction comes in with where teachers actually explain exactly what to do and how to do it then it creates a very powerful learning and experience and that's what we called productive failure so productive failure is a combination of both initial preparation through failure followed by instruction by an expert or an explanation by an expert to assemble it and it's together that makes it productive failure uh, thanks very much for that very very clear explanation of uh, productive uh, failure and the three key features of uh, productive failure as a follow-up to this um, would you have an example that uh, you have uh, in your own teaching where productive failure uh, is applied? Um, how did you design learning and what were the, your learning points uh, based on uh, your own teaching? First of all, productive failure, just as a backdrop before I enter into the question, you know, it's been replicated and reproduced around the world and the more than 160 studies that have done this and the effects are very strong. Now against that backdrop, the way one of the ways that I like to use productive failure, either in my own teaching or working with colleagues who want to improve teaching, especially in higher education context, since that is the focus of my work right now, is to look at courses or concepts that a lot of students have to learn because these are foundational courses. So these could be things like data sciences and statistics. These could be courses like courses in basic mathematics, like linear algebra or you know in physics uh, things that are taken by all stem graduates and so by showing by designing for productive failure in these large foundational courses uh, we've tried to show the tractability and the impact that productive failure have so here i'll give you an example at ETH Zurich um, I work with a math professor uh, to on, on, who teaches a course in linear algebra uh, for more than 700 students. Uh, and this is a foundational course that almost every student <laughs> at ETH or a STEM graduate would have to take. And the course follows a similar, uh, a very, you know, the intuitive direct instruction model. The lecturer, for each topic, the lecturer comes in, you know, uh, lectures, and then followed by homework exercises and so on and so forth. So the way we design productive failure, as I mentioned in the earlier first question, is to, to prepare the student first before the lectures. So we design over the course of one year, you know, we identify 10 major concepts, 10 key ideas that students have to learn. These are the major ideas of the entire curriculum. And for each of these 10 ideas, we designed failure-based problem-solving activities, which students could engage in. And then we surgically targeted these activities to be done just before these main lectures. Okay. The total investment of time on the part of students on a volunteer basis was about seven hours across 10 activities for the whole year. So we're only talking seven hours of you know, problem-solving activities uh, over, ten, uh, over the course of a year. And exactly in the way that productive failure theory predicts, you know, historically the passing rate at this, of this course is very, very low. Uh, it's only about 55% uh, because it's a very, a tough course and it's an important course and 
you know, through two years of doing productive failure interventions, just the seven eye interventions over the course of a year, we were able to increase the passing rates by 20%, which is a huge, and we were also able to increase the conceptual understanding of the students that they were really understanding these concepts. Uh, so that's an example of how we can use productive failure principles to really design um, and show strong impact in students, uh, the really foundational courses that are taken by a lot of students, even within the, you know, the basic current paradigm. <laughs> uh, so like small tweaks that can make a huge impact. Uh, and yeah, so we were able to show that, you know, passing rates can increase, increase average grades and understanding on the concepts improve. And uh, we're constantly iterating to make that better. So if I'm uh, new to this, uh, and I would like to start uh, mm -hmm. using this concept of productive failure for my lessons, mm -hmm. what might uh, one or two uh, learning points be? What are one or two things that you would recommend that we look out for? Okay, so I think if you're starting out, first it helps obviously to understand the underlying theory of uh, productive failure. I've also in my work focused on, you know, how do you design these lessons? Or how do you design failure-based activation prior to your lecture or your instruction? You know, what, what, what are the features that these failure-based problem-solving activities have to have? Uh, you know, and so I talk about these uh, in, in the work and the research that I do. Um, and the more you can design these initial problem-solving activities based on these features and these principles um, that are strongly grounded in research, you know, it takes about two to three iterations before you get to a stage where, you know, in your class, uh, these, uh, the productive failure intervention works, is working really well. Um, I think you've mentioned a little bit just now about mm -hmm. how we might ascertain the effectiveness of uh, learning design. Um, would you have suggestions of uh, some ways or some methods where we, we know that uh, this has worked for our own classes or our own uh, modules? Right. So in working with teachers, um, you know, there are a number of ways in which one can have a, a host of measures, both process and outcome measures that indicate how and why productive failure is working. So first, let me talk a little bit about the process measures. And this really comes from not just hard data that we collect from our experiments, but also what teachers realize. And I think I'm going to focus in this <laughs> chat a bit more on what the teachers realize. The hard data is out there to, 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 uh, for people to read. So one of the things that teachers realize when they engage in productive failure is they shift their thinking. So, you know, when you first give students, teachers are initially reluctant to give students these, you know, failure-based problem-solving preparatory exercises because they say, man, what's the point? They don't even know the concept. How are they going to solve it? And I said, don't worry, we've designed them uh, based on sound principles. Let's see what students can do. And then they're surprised the kinds of solutions and the ideas even if they're incorrect, that students are, and the creativity especially, that students are able to, to produce. So this is one way of saying that just by looking at the student production, even before learning the concept, is a very powerful and compelling piece of data for, for teachers to say, oh, I never thought my students could be so creative, so innovative, uh, and could actually you know, produce these ideas, even if they're incorrect. So that's one big piece of data. The other thing, the other data process data comes from uh, teachers realize and students themselves realize. And again, we've captured this in a systematic way 
uh, is uh, awareness. Students begin to understand that, you know, uh, they, they develop an awareness of what they know and what they do not know. And it's the latter bit of what they do not know is something that we often find that, you know, teachers say, oh, this is really important because if you go straight into the lecture, you don't, I don't see that in my students, you know, and, and that's part of how failure prepares teach, uh, students for learning from instruction. Another thing that uh, speaks to the effectiveness or how you ascertain the effectiveness of productive failure is the affect, the motivation that comes, you know, so we've tested students, you know, just before they enter the lecture, in direct instruction, you know, ask how, motive, how interested are you learning in this new concept versus oh, how interested after doing that initial failure-based activation, how interested are you now in, in learning the concept underlying this problem? And the levels are way different, you know. So this motivation to learn, that why did my method not work and why is the teacher's method, what is so good about it and so on. So that affect, the motivation changes, the orientation changes. And then finally, we see once the teacher has taught the, the, the concept after the failure-based activation, um, we test like what is the nature of their knowledge? What is the nature of what they've learned? You know, we test it in different ways, like procedural knowledge. This is kind of things you could test in an exam. You know, can you use what you've learned to solve problems? Uh, you know. uh, but then we, from a research standpoint, we also test, we probe their understanding. So do you understand what you're doing? What if I've changed something? How would that change your inference or how you would solve the problem? So conceptual understanding also improves. And then we also test transfer, the ability to take what you've learned to answer or to solve problems that require concepts that are related but unlearned yet. So that's really hard, uh, far transfer that we do. And uh, some of the largest effects that we have is on the conceptual understanding and transfer. And I mentioned earlier the, you know, the, uh, the, this has been replicated in more than 160 studies around the world. And we've done a meta-analysis of this and found that the average effect of productive failure over direct instruction uh, is really about two to three times that of an outstanding teacher. So if you can follow the principles of productive failure and carry out that instruction along those along that theory, then you can get effects that are two to three times that of an outstanding teacher in terms of your ability to understand something and transfer it. And the final point I would say in terms of ascertaining uh, the effectiveness is you know, learning is more than just knowledge and skills. It's also a way of thinking and being. You know, it's the set of dispositions. So oftentimes, especially in the mathematics interventions that we do, you know, students say, oh, today I feel I did a bit of mathematics. You know, oh, today I felt like a mathematician. It's this, uh, you know, and, and, and it's this epistemology. It's this way of thinking of being and knowing with mathematics that changes in the students as well, if we carry out productive failure over a, a longer period of time. So, so those are the ways in which, you know, on a number of process outcomes and dispositional identity levels that you know, we can ascertain the effectiveness of productive failure. Hey, thank you very much, Professor Kapoor, for sharing your insights on productive failure and the importance of learning design. Thank you very much, Casey. It was a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the CDTL podcast.